Good morning, everybody. We're, uh, we're starting this new series today called Lives That Defeat Us. And, I mean, you've heard this. It, that wasn't a promo for, like, you know, parenting, parenting teenagers or anything like that, because that sounds like it would just come right out of that, but, or young kids. But honestly, we learn these thoughts and patterns early on, and it kind of sticks with us. They stick with us through even into adulthood. We find new ways to say those things. But we're looking at these different lies that defeat us. So this, in this series, we're going to talk about what those lies are and how they can wreak havoc in our lives. Um, the, these lies, the different lies that we, you know, that, and emotions that we experience, they, they're actually ingrained thought patterns. <clears throat> and we battle in our mind, in our emotions. And so to, this morning we're going to be looking at what's called the battleground, which is our mind. Between our ears, it can sometimes resemble a battlefield with landmines that at any moment can detonate. And so we're going to be looking at some of the things that really have the power to to destroy if we're not careful or to at least snowball into major, major problems. Uh, For me, some of the thoughts and emotions that crop up uh, come to me consistently on Saturday night and Monday morning. I have a series of emotions and thoughts that come up. Uh, Saturday night, the thought is, what a lame message. That's one of the thoughts. That's not going to matter to anyone. That's stupid. Why would you say that? And I start battling these thoughts. Also, all sorts of distracting thoughts can come up on a Saturday night, things that would really just, just distract. And so as I'm looking through my message, things I've prepared all week, I'll, I'll have these thoughts come up. That's a lame message. And if I give in to those thoughts, man, that can really just do a number on, on me. Monday mornings, um, I face a different pattern of thoughts. Monday mornings, it's more of a blend of dread and anxiety. Because um, Sunday after church, right after church, I call it the golden hour. And just experience this, like, I can just go skipping through the park or anything, and just birds are chirping, the wind is blowing. And it's just, you know, it's just things are good. Monday morning rolls around, and just dread and anxiety of the week ahead it's the reality that I face when I remember Sunday's coming, the next Sunday's coming. And so for me, the process of sermon preparation is pretty all-consuming. It's on my mind all week, and while I'm working on it, I'm thinking about it. When I'm not working on it, it's, it's still something I think about. And so Sunday morning for me comes around with amazing regularity every seven days. And so I have these different thoughts and emotions, and I find that as these different thoughts and you know, come to my mind, it's easy for me to, to really get discouraged and to lose the battle. If I let these thoughts go unchecked, which would mean if I just considered those thoughts are true, this really is a lame message, or this is stupid what I'm going to say. If I, if I really followed those thoughts, or this isn't worth it on Monday, man, <clears throat> they trickle down and affect all sorts of other areas. That's if I consider that those thoughts are true. It's kind of like the domino effect, you know, Thoughts in our minds, they lead to action or they lead to inaction, which lead to consequences. Oftentimes the consequences create a new thought, which leads to action and then inaction and then possibly more consequences. And so there's this domino effect of of scenarios, possibilities that come up. And discouragement is what can lead to believing more of the lies that come to our mind and spiral wrong thinking, kind of out of control in our lives. So discouragement, what it does, it takes the fight out of us. We start moving forward. Discouragement, it takes the fight out of us and it causes us to cave into the lies. And 
So what are the landmines that go off in your head? I shared a little bit about some of the thoughts and emotions that I experienced. What are the thoughts and emotions that, that, that go on between your ears? What are the things that have the potential to really discourage you and cripple you from moving forward? Some of your thoughts may resemble similar things to what I face. Maybe on Monday morning you, you wake up with dread and anxiety and worry. But some of the things you may experience are, are quite different than, than the thoughts and emotions that I have. But in this series, what we're going to do is we're actually going to identify five common lies that can cause us to have a really ineffective life if we buy into what they're saying. Um, we'll be doing this um, not by just making up lies and saying, yeah, this is what you experience, but we're going to look in the Scripture, and we'll be looking in the Old Testament, seeing some lies that came up as the people of Israel were advancing into the Promised Land they faced five different kinds of lies. Things that could have um, and did threaten to block their advancing, blocking their progress. And it's important for us to realize these, these same lies. If we cave into the lies, this is not in your listening guide, but the truth is if we cave into the lies, we end up losing the battle. Any of these lies have the potential to really uh, push us back. And so here's, here's the most common lies that defeat us. Number one is it's too hard. It's just too hard. I can't do it. It's too difficult for me. No one could do that. Or the thought of, I'm too tired. You might have that lie this morning. I'm too tired. And you might be like, it's not a lie. It's true. I'm too tired. <laughs> it's calling me a liar. No. But that's a common lie that can defeat our progress. Another lie is, it's not what I want. It could be for a child. It could be for an adult. It's not what I want. I want what I want. That's not what I want. Or another lie is, it, it's just, it's not fair. I know you've asked that, I've said that, or we've stated that, we've thought that, it's not fair. Or I'm the only one, the only one that has to do this. I'm the only one who has to meet this deadline, or I'm the only one who's facing these circumstances. It's just, and so each of these different lies come up, and what we're going to do with the series is we're going to tackle each of the lies. Every one has really a passage in the Old Testament that we could say, here's a lesson to be learned. God can really help us counter these thought patterns with the truth. It begs the question, though, why not just accept all the thoughts and all the emotions that enter our head? Why not just believe it all? It can be easy to think that, hey, if the thought's in my head, then they must be true, or or I guess I need to own them. Um, But here's what these lies can do to us if we accept them instead of battle against them. In life, if we think, hey, you know, I'm the only one that's dealing with a certain circumstance or problem, then we tend to think no one else really understands. And what happens, if we think we're the only one, we pull back from people, we isolate ourselves from people who can really help us, and that all it does is it reinforces the lie that we are the only one. So we start separating ourselves if we buy into that lie. Or in, in, in marriage, if we believe it's not what I want. They're not what I want. They're not giving me what I want in marriage. That's not the person I thought I was marrying. It's, not, it's just not what I want anymore. When things get tough, if that lie creeps in and we own that thought, we can easily look to other people that fit what we really think we want, and we can cross the boundary. This can just destroy, can cost us our marriage. Or in parenting, if we think, you know, raising kids is too hard. It's too hard. Or, or the other lie of, it's too tired. That crops up for parents, I'm sure. You know, I'm just too tired. We can just give up on training our kids. We can check out. This can lead to grief later on when you experience <clears throat> children who haven't been parented, who haven't been trained. Or in finances or at work, the thought of 
it's not fair can come up. You start looking at other people's jobs and seeing what they're doing, and you're thinking, why do I have to do this? This is not fair. Look at him. He's, not, he's hardly working. And these thoughts come up, and at work, if we give in to the thought of it's not fair, what tends to happen is we get sloppy at work. And we start getting slack on handling the details. What we're doing is we're setting into motion actions or inaction that will later on cost us our job. And so all of these lies, they impact us in very real ways. And so the list can go on and on. They can overwhelm us. But let's dig into what, see what God has to say. He instructed us to move forward. In the, in the Old Testament book of Joshua, Moses, the leader of the people of Israel, he's just died. He has just died, and the Israelites are at the edge of the promised land. There's a river separating them from entering into the promised land, beginning to take a series of cities and towns that God had promised to give to them. There's just this river separating them. I want to show you a brief Bible uh, a clip from the, from the Bible miniseries that you may have seen that came out this past year. And it kind of tracks from creation to Joshua. So I want to give you a quick crash course from creation to Joshua. It doesn't cover everything, but it, it gives you like a minute and a half of summary up to Joshua. And so and then we'll pick up in the scripture. Let's take a look. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Then human failings led him to destroy his creation. Wrong choices, wrong decisions. After Noah, a new beginning and a promise for Abraham. God has spoken to me. He will lead us to a new home. He has promised descendants as numerous as the stars. But enslaved by Egypt, Abraham's descendants suffered until a new leader emerged who would become Israel's greatest hero. Who are you? My name is Moses. God has sent me to set you free. Freedom! They're free to choose! Slavery or death! All my life, I have been Pharaoh's. I will never be a slave again, Joshua. God is with us. God has delivered us from slavery. We're going to live in the promised land. Abraham's dream is our future. You are our future now, Joshua. You must take the land promised to Abraham. Moses has led the Israelites to the edge of the promised land. Under Joshua, they must conquer it. And I love, I love seeing the visual of the scripture. That's an adaptation, so... They say that up front, and so, you know, if you're reading the Bible and you're like, hey, they got the order wrong or whatever, stick with this, you know what I mean? <laughs> stick with this. Build your life on this. Don't build your life on a, on a movie. Um, but that's really helpful to just bring to our mind the storyline. And so you see from creation to Noah and then the promise, you know, you see sin, Noah, you see Abram and the promise given to Abram, and then... There's this huge, you know, course of turn where 
all of a sudden, people, you know, Abraham's descendants all of a sudden eventually end up in Egypt as slaves, and then through Moses they're delivered, and you see the Red Sea being parted there. And, and now Joshua, so Moses has led the people, tremendous leader, um, led millions of people. Now Joshua's handed this leadership role, and he's about to lead Israel in a series of military battles. They're going to take the land through force. They're about to advance and, and have a, a series of battles against other foreign armies in order to, to take the land that God had promised to them. And you can imagine the thoughts that are running through Joshua's head. What would you be thinking? All these people looking to you for leadership, and, he, and Moses is gone. He was the man, and now you're the man. What's going through your head? Probably, I'm too tired. It's not fair. I'm the only one that's got to do this. You know, all of these different thoughts start rushing to Joshua's mind. And Joshua may have been wondering, how is God going to help us advance into this land? But then God commands him on how to win the battle. In the same way, God commands us to do what's needed to win the battles. He commands us with three things, okay? Look at these commands. This is in your listening guide. God commands us to first be strong, but actually, let's read the passage first. Joshua 1, verses 6 through 9. The first part of this chapter, just you kind of see a little bit of the, the history going on. Moses dies. Joshua is handed the role. And God starts communicating the borders of the, ter- of the territory that he's going to be giving them. What's the borders of the promised land? And how no one would be able to stand against them. Then in verse 6, God says this to Joshua. He says, be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So God, in this passage, he gives Joshua three actions in these three verses. Seven, eight, nine, that's four verses, sorry. In these four verses, he gives three actions, and then he repeats the three actions. He says, be strong, be courageous, be careful. And then he says, be careful, be strong, be courageous. These are important things. I wanted to find these commands and explain the attack that comes against us at each of these three points. This is really like... These are three commands we were giving, but then, but then we start dealing with lies at each of these. So these are points of attack as well. And so first God says, be strong. Be strong, the Hebrew word, hazak, it basically means this. Keep a strong grip on your responsibilities no matter what happens. Keep a strong grip. Keep a firm grip. Think about the importance when you're driving to grab the wheel at what? Ten and two, Yeah. And because you have a firm grip right there, right? It, it, you're, I'm assuming you're strongest at this point. We're not very strong if this is the, the steering wheel, like this. Now, I'll be honest. <laughs> I have done it. <laughs> Multitasking, you know. Dangerous. I, I have gotten in a collision, distracted driving collision, like 10 years ago, driving home from work. And uh, I wasn't steering with my knee, but I certainly wasn't 
10 and 2. And I paid the price for that, literally. But when we learn, learn, learn to drive, we, we grip the wheel with 10 and 2 because that gives us the best grip. We can deal with things at that point. With all of our core responsibilities in life, you need to keep a firm grip. With all of your stewardships, with everything that you've been asked to manage, you need to keep a firm grip on family life, on your role on, on the job, in church life, with your finances. Keep a firm grip. We've got to hold tightly to all of these areas. And when we do that, what we're doing is we're obeying God's command to be strong. Be strong is keep a firm grip no matter what. Whenever we think we feel that our efforts are pointless, unfair, too hard, whenever we're tempted to kind of let our responsibility slide or loosen our grip, um, we set ourselves up for another attack, causing more problems to just snowball. And so we're going to look at how to battle this attack. And this, this, these three points, these commands, we're going to look at these over the series and see how in the, in the life of different leaders, these issues are, are critical. Being strong, being courageous, and being careful. So that's the first one, is just be strong. Think about your responsibilities. What are you responsible for? What are you answering for? What will you answer for in your life? Those things that are entrusted to you. Do you have a firm grip on those things? Or are you loosening your grip and getting slack-handed with those, with those different areas? The second thing is God tells Joshua to be what? Be courageous. Be strong. Be courageous. Hebrew word is amatz. This one means regardless of how you feel, act with bravery. Act with courage, with valor. The idea is keep moving forward. Courage has to do with forward motion. When you're not, you know, it's like, you know, you see these epic war battles, and they're about guys are about to ch- charge the hill, and, and you know, the the major test is the test of courage. You don't know what's over the hill, and, and the commander says, you know, when I say charge, or when we raise that flag, we charge, or when you hear the horn, or whatever the bugle, charge. It takes courage to get moving, regardless of how you feel. You don't know what's on the other side. You don't know if it's guys with larger weapons. You don't know if it's giants. You don't know what is over that hill, but charging is courage. Our emotions have a way of just stopping us in our tracks. We can almost be frozen and overcome through fear, through worry, through discouragement. Joshua could certainly identify with this. He doesn't know what's going to occur once they cross this river. He doesn't know what's inside those city walls. And so the threat of the possibilities could have just frozen him and caused him to think, you know, I'm not going to lead, I'm not going to call charge. Um, But verse 9 says this. Verse 9, it reads, Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. Those are two emotions that that God commands us to battle against. Terrified, being in terror, and being discouraged. Being terrified carries the idea of dreading something. I'm I'm afraid of something. I'm fearful of continuing. I'm fearful of pressing forward. Or being discouraged, it's it's a similar idea, but instead of fear, courage is, you know, the issue is I've lost courage, so I've, I've lost hope then I don't push on. I don't make progress. Think back to Joshua. He's about to lead God's people into a place where he had previously spied out the land. If you study the story in Deuteronomy, you find out that he spies out the land with another person, and they go into the land, and what do they find there? Do you know? He says, we saw giants, and we saw fortified walls, fortified cities. And so God commands them, look, be courageous. Keep moving forward. I know you don't feel like it, but you you need to keep moving forward. Act with bravery regardless of how you feel. For us, this attack may come in any area where where we're trying to make progress. For me, many times, this um, struggle comes up when, as a church, we're about to do something 
really important or an outreach to the city. And then all sorts of red tape comes up and we're like, oh, this is happening, this is happening. Well, what that potentially does is it can just freeze me as a leader to say, eh, maybe we should just not do any of this and maybe we should backpedal. And, and so there have been many times where red tape has come up and it's, it's I start, you know, struggling with the, these different thoughts. You have to battle these thoughts. Whatever, you know, would block your progress in life, in making progress and walk with God, you have to battle against those thoughts. You have to take courage and keep moving forward. It's at these points that God commands us, act with courage. Be a person of valor. Step forward, trust me. Don't, don't stop walking in faith is, is the point of this one. Finally, God commands us to do this. Be careful. This last command is be careful. The word shamar has to do with kind of uh, hearing and obedience, but it means guide carefully by God's word. Do not deviate in the slightest. See the verse, it says, Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. The idea, the picture is, you know, walk exactly this way. Do not deviate even slightly. Don't turn to the right. Don't don't start charting a slightly different course that's dangerous. Don't slightly... Slightly go this way. Don't deviate even slightly from what God says. Obey very carefully. It's very, very important. It can almost seem like it can make you crazy, I think, in some things. You have to trust this to God, but you want to be careful to obey what he asks us to do or what he's commanded us to do. If you try to teach children math, there are rules that you have to follow. And I'm learning this. Some are simple. Some are very, very complex rules. And it may not seem like a big deal. If children don't get all the math rules, because no one's really depending on a child at age 6 or age 8 to get all the rules right. But if math rules are violated and you're an engineer designing bridges, um, then, then people get hurt. People could die. Math rules are really important if people are depending on you to know the rules. And so in life, whenever we get attacked, we have to think, what does God want me to do? What does God's word say? I have to be very careful to obey what he says. You know, God is very gracious with us. We would not have a relationship with him. We could, there's no possibility for a relationship with God apart from his goodness and his grace. We're saved by his grace. But then after we're saved, he starts changing our life, redirecting our life, and starts tweaking our thinking and laying out a course for us. And it's in those areas, after we've committed our life to Christ, that we need to be careful to obey exactly what he said. Because he's leading us towards a life... Um, the life that he wants us to build. But in life, if we get attacked at this level, and we think it's too hard to follow God's word, it's too hard to be careful, then we may look at the Bible and we think it's just too big, it's too intimidating, I don't know where to start. And we start coming up with all these reasons why it's too hard. We're tempted to go out of bounds. We're tempted to rewrite the scriptures and start having, yeah, here's the Bible, but I kind of have my own little list of a playbook for life. We're tempted to do that. But the ripple effect on our family is devastating if we choose to start rewriting or revising God's plan. So these three commands, they're key to winning the battle. But the problem is the lies attack us at each of these three points. You see, when we start trying to be strong, courageous, and careful, that's where the lies come up. Thankfully, with God's help, I've made an important discovery. Many people here have made this same discovery that has been a real source of freedom and victory in life. Here's the, here's the discovery. I don't have to believe, I don't have to accept, and I don't have to own every thought that comes to my mind. I don't. You don't. 
You don't have to believe the emotions. You don't have to believe every thought. Wrong thoughts come from three different sources. The lies are generated by three enemies. We looked at this in detail, so I'm not going to go into much detail here. I'm going to just give you a quick summary. The world, the flesh, and the devil. That's where these sources come from. We, we can pick up random half-truths from the world at large that really don't stand the test of time, but we can pick up these little half-truths along the way. We pick them up from movies, quotes in newspapers, from friends, conclusions that our friends have drawn, and we think, yeah, that's pretty good. They sound good in the moment. They lodge themselves into our thinking. The problem is, sometimes those are just lies that we should not follow. We should not accept and own. Or secondly, our flesh. I discovered that some, some of the patterns of my thinking are just flat wrong. They were ingrained patterns that I had allowed to develop. Before I committed my life to Christ, I never removed them. And so those, those parts, the old me, those old ways of thinking, they, they remain still. I have to deal with those things. I have to call them what they are, if they're lies. Bad thinking and habits I've developed. Or third, other thoughts would seem to come out of nowhere to distract or to discourage me from doing any good, to discourage you. Those thoughts that come out of nowhere, the Bible would call these the flaming darts of the evil one. These are from the enemy. He intends to keep us from doing God's work. He intends us to, to discourage us so we'll loosen our grip and really ruin our stewardships, ruin the responsibilities we have. Whenever these lies start coming, we need to identify that the attack is on. And we need to fight. Whenever these lies come up, you've got to say, fight's on. This is an attack. Here's a quick summary, and we're going to wrap up. First, we need to reject the lie. Reject it. If I start thinking that things are bogging me down from doing right, I need to identify what's going on. I need to identify this is a lie, this is an attack, and I need to refuse the discouragement. Resist it. Isolate the thought, in a sense. You isolate. Here's what I'm thinking. And so you kind of isolate it. You capture the thought. You might jot it down. You might say it out loud. Here's the thought that you get it out of your head and you say it. You write it down or you share it with a friend. You isolate it and say, here's what I'm dealing with. Sometimes you need to run it by a more mature Christian to help you identify. So first you just, and then you reject it. This is what I'm thinking. I know that's not true. I know that's a lie. There's something wrong. Last night I came home. I'd been gone all day. And I walked in the door. And right when I walked in the door, there's a gas leak. Now, if I didn't isolate that thought in my mind, I've I got to go to the bathroom. I've got to go get some food because I didn't eat dinner. I've got to feed the dog. I was surprised my dog wasn't dead, honestly. <laughs> I know, I'm warming up to dogs too. So, <laughs> But... <laughs> But I was honestly surprised. I was like, oh, my gosh. And so we quickly, I just look around, what's wrong? Well, you know, our oven is easily bumped, and so it was t- tweaked a little bit, and there was this, it was on. And so we didn't know how long it had been on. I'm surprised our dog wasn't passed out or thrown up, or I don't know if dogs are susceptible to that, honestly. But <laughs> I started thinking about that later. But right away, I isolated the situation, and I did something about it. Open up all the windows, you know. Didn't light a match, you know, was careful with, I was just careful. But that's the first part. You have to reject, this is not right. You, you know, don't get, oh, this is kind of, it's a new sensation in here. This is, we start with our mind, oh, this is kind of new. And we start entertaining and owning. After that, 
After you've identified it, you need to replace it with the truth. God would say the same thing to his people. When they were going through scary situations, he would say this phrase, I will be with you. He said this to Joshua. Hey, Joshua, yeah, it's going to be tough, but I will be with you. He told that to Moses. He said that to so many people in the Bible. Find all the great leaders. He says, I will be with you. He said that to the disciples when he commissioned them to, you know, make disciples. Hey, I'm going to be with you always. He keeps reminding us of this. So we need to replace the lies with the truth, reminding ourselves God is with me. One of the most effective things you can do when you're facing emotions is to learn Scripture, call it to mind, and recite it. God is with me. You can, <clears throat> you can quote it by, you know, verse. For me, when I'm tempted, a real helpful verse that comes up in my mind that I memorized long ago is Hebrews 4.13. And it says, it says this, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. That's really helpful. Nothing at all? Nothing I do is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. You know, as, as things come to my mind, I can isolate it and I can replace it with the truth. You know, here's what I'm thinking. That's a lie. Here's what's true. You can't pull nothing on God. You have to replace it with the truth. The last thing is refuse to give up. Determine to fight as long as you have to fight until the battle is won. You and I, we don't have to accept every thought that comes across our mind. Many of the thoughts are destructive. But you have to keep battling. You have to keep swinging the sword of the Spirit. You have to keep advancing. Keep tight, a tight grip on your responsibilities. Be careful with what God says, but refuse to give up. As soon as you give in to the lie, it'll create a snowball effect in your life. It'll destroy some things that are very precious to you. Things that you built for years, things that you prayed for for years can be unraveled in, you know, in a very short period of time. So, As the worship team comes back up and the ushers prepare to receive this morning's tithes and offerings, would you take out that connection card and take a look at these next steps on the back of the connection card? And now would it also be a good time to, to finish filling out this connection card? Um, especially if you're a guest. If, if, if you've never been here before, we would love to know that you were here. We'd love to be praying for you. We'd love to be able to answer any of the questions you have. Like Taylor mentioned, some of our staff will be back at the information table. We'd like to meet you as well. And so, But drop this in the uh, offering basket um, as those come around in a few moments. But look at these three next steps. Memorize Joshua 1.9. With this verse, you'll get some strength and courage just by memorizing. You know That gets two of the commands in that verse. Identify a lie I'm fighting and ask God for help. Maybe you need to isolate a thought that you've been mulling on. Maybe you need to talk it through with someone. Maybe you need to just get it out of your mind and start isolating, identifying what that is. Or the third one is just attend the rest of the series. If 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 you're new to our church, you know, and you, you know, this is a six-week series, so one down, five to go. And so if you'd like to join us for the rest of the series, we'd love to have you. Love it if you would bring someone with you as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word and and thank you for just the picture that we see in your word of a man that was really dealing with fear possibly some dread but then how God comes alongside of him and just strengthens him with three commands that really apply to us today God it helps Joshua lead the people of Israel to take Jericho and then the cities that would come after that as we'll look at those different stories, Lord, would you help us to understand what you did through your people and how those lessons can help us build confidence and courage to just live the life you've asked us to live. Thank you for each person here. 
I pray you would encourage us, Lord. We're all coming out of very difficult weeks and just challenging circumstances. So God, I pray that through this time, Lord, you would just continue to encourage us. Even, even as we close our time and singing a song, Lord, I just pray that you would use that to encourage our hearts to keep advancing, regardless of how we feel, and to not loosen our grip. Lord, thank you for your word and how you speak to us so clearly through it. Lord, would you bless this offering that we're about to receive? Would you use it, God, to help us further your kingdom, not just here in this community, but as we cooperate with others who are doing your work even around the world. So, Lord, bless the offering. Bless those who give. And, Lord, I I ask, God, that you continue to provide. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ushers, you can go ahead and receive this morning's offering. And make sure you drop.